When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Of radio. Jason. Yeah. I know you're mad. I know you're yes. mad. I've been fucking up. I'm so mad. I've been fucking up. Constantly. Constantly. I'm not going to do it again. Uh, I would hope not. That's a, it's, a, it's pretty much a crime, what you've J- been doing. Jason, it, I, uh, I'm about to get to... No, I'm not about to get subpoenaed. That's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm about to get reverse subpoenaed. Reverse double secret probation, Jason. Because no, don't question it. Because okay. I've got the anthem ready to go. I've got our anthem. I'm excited. The song you heard every goddamn day for the first like twelve years of your school experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much every goddamn day. Yeah. Yeah. Every goddamn and day. Every time I heard it, I stood up. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, it was a thing you did. So here we go, Jason. Before we get started, please rise for our national anthem. That's a chair. Come on. Chris Jericho! Chris Jericho's in the room! Ow! Chris Jericho! Don't hit me, Chris Jericho! Ow! 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 He's hitting me, Brendan! He's hitting me! Ow! 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 No, I'm not! Ow! Ow! Jericho, quit it! Oh, he just left. Oh, and he left me in a bloody mess. Why is the song still playing? Patriotism? That's Brendan. Despite the blood on my face, I can tell you quite clearly that. That is not the national anthem. But listen, hold on. Hold on. Listen, okay? Just listen to this part. Wait, 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 wait. A deep sleep. What's deeper? What's more of a deep sleep than in the barren, cold winter of Canada? That's obviously the anthem. In a town like Winnipeg, even. But that's not the anthem. No, that it may be representative of our national spirit, but it is not the anthem. Certainly, we broke the walls down at Jericho. That's a fact. Derek, do not stop playing this song. Derek, you will stop playing this song. Derek, Derek. Fuck Thank you, Derek. Derek. I knew you. You were you were a wrong choice from the You're good start. Good man, Derek. I never liked you. I'm Derek. So glad we hired him last week. Yeah, I don't know what the other guy's name was. I forgot no. already. Yeah, he wasn't anything worth talking about. Old beard face. Oh well, thanks for standing up for our anthem, folks. This is it's not uh, our anthem, Brendan. And next week, if you do not have the proper anthem, I am calling the authorities. The Mounties will be here in seconds. They're they're so on the ball. But Jason, Chris Jericho's from Winnipeg, you idiot. Oh, he's from Winnipeg, you say? Yeah. Well, what what do we know about Winnipeg? Well, hold that thought. Okay. Put a bookmark in that in that book. The bookmark is slid in. It's my Spock bookmark. Okay. Um, nerd alert. Uh, <laughs> this is a podcast called For Screen and Country. But right now we are talking about Canadian films, so we call it Our Screen, Our Country, eh? A. We are talking about the top 10 Canadian films as chosen 
by white people? I I mean, I would I would like to think not. I th- well, I mean, certainly some, uh, but not all. But, you know, I don't know. It was 2015. It was a different time. Uh, uh, had Hamilton come out at that point? I don't think so. So the world was was far less um, accepting. Yeah, Hamilton ended racism. It did, it that did. That was the end of it. It was great. People it were was... like, oh. But then Donald Trump... Made Hamilton too. That's right, and it wasn't as good as the wasn't first as good. One. Starred Steve Coogan though, which was nice. <laughs> I'm really disappointed you worked with Donald Trump on a movie. <laughs> well, you know he did bankroll it, uh, at least until he didn't pay us. Right. He said he would, so I guess that got the ball rolling. But then he never did give us any money. But that's a different story. Yeah, that's a whole podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where the hell would the where the hell? Would, what were you actually talking about? Yes, we're doing we movies. Are, uh, movies. That's what we're doing. The top 10, bracket 11, Canadian films of all time. And we have watched number 10. Toronto International Film Festival. And so far we have watched film number 10, Les Audres, and film number 10, Stories, Stories We Tell. Yeah. And now we are finally moving somewhere on this list. Are we? Because we are at, well, what do you mean? Well, uh, because so far we have watched a docufiction, we have watched a documentary, yeah. and now we are going to watch a docubrainfuck. A doc, a, a docufantasia. Yes, um, because we are watching number nine. What I mean is, we are moving in a in a in an actual uh, in an upward direction. In an now. upward direction. We have we climbed can, a step of the ladder. We can see the numbers. The, they, they go up. They're going up. They're going up. They're going down. They're going sideways. They're going front ways. They're are we going gonna, are diagonally. We gonna... They're going in a hexagon. They're going in an octagon. They're going in a stairs shape. Let's get out the D10. Let's roll. All right. <laughs> here we go. Blue. Oh, it's number nine. Oh, what a random occurrence. Oh, yes. let's watch it right now. Bloop, bloop, bloop. We already watched it. That was a good movie. <laughs> number nine. No spoilers. Number nine. Number nine is, of course, the Guy Madden documentary, My Winnipeg. Not your Winnipeg. Yeah. My Winnipeg. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, wonderful Winnipeg. Hail my town, hail my home, the world that moves round and round. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, wonderful Winnipeg, where I belong, enjoys redound in one long happy song. Here are friends and kindly faces, folks I'm glad to know. Jason, that's right. That song, I mean, it's very much sounds like it should be from this yeah. movie. Um, the song means only one thing. We are, of course, talking about My Winnipeg 2007. 2007, and you wouldn't know it from looking at the video. <laughs> you would not, because this is a film that is made to look old. Very old. Um, it is directed by, written, sorry, as this movie credits, conceived and directed by Guy Madden, meaning he gave birth to this film. He did. He did. Um, so it, that That's on the DVD and the special features. And let me tell you, it ain't pretty. I would not be surprised if that was a special feature, having watched <laughs> this film. Yes. But I will say that, that having it start like that, it kind of feeds into the very sexual nature of some of this movie. Mm. There is a lot of sex. There's a lot of, there's, there's nudity and there's a lot of like 
like I don't know. It just it just felt this movie felt horny to me. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, so Jason, uh, I, just sum it up, would you? Uh, the plot of this film. I mean, it's very uh, simple. So Guy Madden has taken a bunch of drugs, and uh, this is what happened. I think, <laughs> if I yes. had to guess. Well, I mean, basically, Guy Madden was commissioned by the uh, the film board to make a documentary about Winnipeg. And he was, <laughs> but here's the thing: Guy Madden has made has made films before this, sure, yeah, so they I know. know what he's all about. And they basically told him, "We don't want to just make another another just a documentary telling people about the you know the snowy <laughs> snowy hellscape of Winnipeg." No offense to anyone out there that lives in Winnipeg, including hmm. Chris Jericho. I've been to Winnipeg, and it's uh it's quite a city. Yeah, well, there you go. A lot of meth there, as I understand. Um, all the things that happened in this movie did they happen to you? Uh, well, no. Well, number one, when I was there, it was the summer. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a, a, uh, a snowy hellscape, it was a, a, a hum- not even humid. It was just a super hot hellscape with mosquitoes the size of your head uh, and a lazy river. I don't think the mosquito thing was Th- real. They were, there was a lot of them and they were big. I may be exaggerating a tiny bit, but you, it was you, awful. You might be pulling, you know, it's funny you should say that, Jason, because you might be pulling a little guy Madden on us right yeah, now. I went to a much music video dance hosted by, um... Not Sunyi Previn. What's the other one? Uh, Sukka. I hope it wasn't. No, she was on DNTO. I can never remember her name. She was in Short Bus. Every time you go to one of these Sunyi, I get so nervous. I start sweating. But I love the Much Music Video Dance. Can't we do the fun things like when we first got together? Like when we played checkers and we called all our girlfriends and we were talking about boys? No. Not anymore. Goodbye, Well, Woody. you know what I say in this household? Don't tell Mia. <laughs> he was a bad man with bad things. Jason, um, so yeah, my Winnipeg. So he was he was told Guy Madden was asked by the board to make a documentary about Winnipeg, knowing his style, mm-hmm. and he went out and fucking did it. Um, this movie, is, I think, I think I can tell you what the plot is. Because I think this, please do this movie is about a guy Madden uh, because he has an actor playing him. No relation to John. It's spelled differently. Absolutely. <laughs> Although I wish they would put Guy Madden on the cover of Madden. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, that'd be hilarious. Just, Just him and his man. beard holding a fucking video camera. Just an old Canadian yeah. <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, but no, Guy Madden uh, has another actor playing him, an uh, actor named Darcy Fair, and he essentially wants to leave Winnipeg. That's that's at the, the start of this documentary. Mm. He's like, I want to leave Winnipeg, but I have to convince myself to be able to leave. So he hires some actors to reenact scenes from his childhood to play his family members and remind himself of the reasons why he wants to leave Winnipeg, remind him of the things he doesn't like about living in Winnipeg and him trying to basically escape his past, I guess. Sure. I guess, or come to terms with it, perhaps? Yeah. Well, I think think at first he wants to just get away from it, but I think over the course of the film, we're meant to believe that he... um, he wants, to, yeah. He more wants to come to terms with it and mm. d- can't really leave it. It's it's kind of like it's it's kind of like there's listen. There's got to be a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot of tiny film glasses talk on oh, this episode. I mean, if there's any movie that warrants it, probably it's this one <laughs> because I think this movie is like a metaphor for for that for reckoning mm. with your past. Which is funny because we kind of talked uh, about elements of that in last week's episode with stories we tell. Yeah, in a, in a much more straightforward way, yeah. but I think this movie does the same thing. Sure, I, I I believe this movie's done a bit of a disservice by describing it as a documentary, and then certainly there are documentary elements to it. But going into this movie, I was expecting a documentary, and that's not what I got. What I got, and I wish I had thought this going in, was I got somebody's dream journal. 
basically. Well, like uh, It's an art piece. It is absolutely an art piece. It is it's a, very ex- experimental. Is it, it is a moving exhibit, I think. It, it feels like, and, and not the guy who pimps your ride. It's a tone poem of a film. Definitely feels like a tone poem. Definitely feels like sort of like at times it feels like beat poetry. Mm. Um, it's narrated by Guy Madden, who- The real lot, one. <laughs> what? Not Darcy Fair. It's the oh, real, it's the guy, real Madden. guy Madden. Yeah. At times I thought it sounded a lot like Alec Baldwin. I'm just gonna say he had that he had that kind of Baldwin gruff voice. I, that yeah, that was not the person that I would uh, uh, compare to Guy Madden's voice. But you know what, Brendan? It's okay. We're all different, and you're extremely so. I don't know how to take that. In your ass, buddy. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> Jason, you, you describe this as a kind of like a dream, kind of like a tone poem. You said kind of like beat poetry, but like I, I specifically in that there's a lot of like there's a lot of disjointed imagery. We we have kind of the silent film style title cards that pop in and out almost subliminally. Some subliminally, I'm turning into George Bush here. Uh, subliminally, subliminally, subliminally. Sometimes you know, and and it it leaps from place to place, and it's very weird, but. The movie doesn't think it's weird. It's all just, it's like a dream in that way. It's like everything's accepted as it kind of goes on. It doesn't feel like, and I think this is, I think this separates um, bad art movies from good art movies is that I think bad artsy movies you watch and you're like, you don't know what the fuck you're saying. Yeah. I feel like in this movie, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, like, I, I, I certainly has ca- points to make. I certainly came to that by the end of it. But at the first, there was very much a part of me that was like, oh God, this is some shitty student film. Oh no, but Guy Madden's much older than a student, so. Wow! But but really, how ageist of you? But really, aren't we all students our entire lives of some sort? We're students of reality and and filmmaking and and sexual prowess. Students, we are all students. We are we are. You're gonna have to pay for that. And Jason wishes he was a student. We're gonna pay for that too. But he's just a podcaster. And how about the movie? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, ahead. no, that's what I mean. I just think I think he, um, I think he very much knows what he's doing. As, like you said, I think it gets less obtuse as as it goes on, because mm. I think he's at at some point he starts just talking about things. That, like there's a whole section where he gets really annoyed with something. Actually, I want to talk about one of the first things he talks about because this this quote unquote documentary has a lot of just tall tales in it mm. um, that are clearly not true. And I want to mm. start out with the first one that I was like, that is, there's no way that story is true. Mm. And I looked it up and it is not true. Yeah. But let, let's just, let's just start with this little story he tells about the history of Winnipeg. Back in Winnipeg's earliest years, the Canadian Pacific Railway used to sponsor an annual treasure hunt. This contest required our citizens to wander the city in a day-long combing of our streets and neighborhoods. First prize was a one-way ticket on the next train out of town. The idea being that once someone had spent a full day looking this closely at his own hometown, he would never want to leave. But the real treasure was right here all along. And you know what? Not one treasure hunt winner ever got on that train and left. Not one, not in a hundred years. Well, I don't need a treasure hunt. I've got my own ticket. I just have to make my way through town, through everything I've ever seen and lived, everything I've loved and forgotten. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Via train doesn't go through the downtown of uh, Winnipeg, but again, it's a dream, so it's all accepted, right? Yeah, Jason, I, I think if you're going to poke holes in stuff, <laughs> I've in got this some movie. logical issues with this movie, Brandon. <laughs> 
Somebody get me Phil Farrand on the phone. There's a deep one, Star Trek fans. Get me Phil Farrand on the phone of the Nitpicker's Guide, because he could help us. So that treasure hunt I don't think happens. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. Well, I think, and I think it underscores the whole movie in a way, mm. where he's saying, like, you know, he tells that story. Like, everyone got that when, it, when someone won... They had seen the whole city. They had gone through the whole city to find the treasure, and they had grown so accustomed to it that they didn't want to leave. Mm. And that's his conundrum. He's, he wants to leave, but he's been there for so long. It's like, it, it's almost like getting out of your comfort zone too, right? Yeah. It's like if you've been somewhere for so long, like I've had jobs, I've had uh, places I've lived where I've just been like, you know, I really should get out of here, but ugh, then I have to learn something new or yeah. do something new. Well, and... and uh and I've probably referred to this before, but there's the, I know exactly two things about W.O. Mitchell. One, he's a famous Canadian author from the West. And two, he was the guy that said in one of his novels, probably his most famous novel, damned if I can remember the name of it. I think I was supposed to read it. I probably read the Coles notes. But he talked about the only way to truly appreciate your home is to leave. And if you've never left, you can't really appreciate it. I mean, like I, I hated my hometown growing up at a certain point because I was always there. And, you know, when I go back now, it's not so bad. But then, it, but then now, if you, I wonder if you go back for like a, a longer period of time, you start to feel that again. Well, that's a good question. I, I was home for six days, uh, I think in in December, and it yeah. wasn't too bad being there, you know. But yeah, so so he's leaving his town. He's he apparently he's never left before. I find that difficult to believe, Guy Madden, that you've never left Winnipeg before. I feel like he's left before. I don't feel like he's moved away before. Yeah, it could be. Um, but it's interesting that like. It's interesting that he doesn't play himself. Although I guess he, I guess now the whole idea is I guess the, he wouldn't be playing himself because we're supposed to be seeing him as much younger. Yeah, and also he one of the conceits of the movie is that uh, all everybody hires are actors except for his mother. Now, what's interesting is <laughs> she is still an actor. She's not his mother. No, no, exactly. Yeah, she's yeah, a. But it, in, in the, now in the, in the, so let me just wrap people's heads sure, around this. Sure. So he hires all these actors, and in the movie he says the only actor I don't hire is my mother who wants to play herself. Now that's the misdirect because the person who the the person who is so called his mother is also an actor. So they are all actors, but in mm. the in the rules of the movie. It's his mother. It's his so mother, the document of this this movie is like kind of always like saying things and then kind of winking at you like, come on, yeah, come absolutely. on, absolutely. And he does actually reference one of the actors by name, uh, Brandon. And I looked at the credits, and yeah, one of the actors was named Brendan. Bre- yeah, Brendan. Brendan. It was actually Brendan. It wasn't Brandon. It was Brendan. Well, son of a bitch. Um, what's really interesting to me is the 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 actress who plays his mother. Her name is Anne Savage. Mm-hmm. She is a uh, a fairly prolific. She was a fairly pro- prolific actor through the, like the fifties, sixties, seventies. Did 80s. a lot of B movies. A lot of B movies. Um, American. He, he specifically. So his description of the person he wanted for this movie was specifically someone who looked like they could uh, intimidate Betty Davis. Wow. That's that's what he wanted. Easy enough. Yeah. <laughs> And this movie actually brought her back to the public eye uh, in a way that uh, she hadn't uh, had for quite a while. Well, I guess his goal was that he thought that this might actually get an Oscar campaign going mm. for her. And there was a lot of call for that because she is great in the in the, in the movie. Like yeah. w- what we see of her, she's uh, she's great. And I love how the movie starts with her like rehearsing lines again, like last week. We, yeah. Like when Sarah, we see Sarah Polly and her father and he's going through the lines. She says, can we take that back? Can yeah. we take that back? We see that in this movie too. We do. There's interesting parallels, even though but it's- that, But that was legit. 
this I think was a scene done for the movie, possibly, I don't or know. maybe it was a for filmed rehearsal. I don't I, know. I don't know. I get the feeling that this was the rehearsal too, mm. because then later we see that scene play yeah. out. That ridiculous scene. Yeah, <laughs> it's cr- well, okay. Let's just play it because there's a scene yeah. where he's reenacting where his sister um, comes home after hitting a deer, mm-hmm. and the mother is confronting her, and this is supposedly based on. Some doesn't believe that she actually hit a deer despite the blood and the fur on the car. And here we go. You listen to this shit. Now, what do you have to say for yourself? There's the deer fur and the blood and the dent, just like I said. I wasn't born yesterday, dearie. Where did it happen? In the back seat. Where did what happen? The real party. Did he pin you down or did you just lie down and let nature take its course? Mother, she knows how to read all the signs, those gentle substitutions for dark wishes. Who did it? Was it the boy on the track team or the man with the tire arm? Mother, you're not making any sense. You sound like a crazy person. We'll see how crazy I am. I know what it's like out there. Every night, the same old story. Take it off, put it in, pull it out, do this, do that. Don't try my patience. The signs, hiding in plain sight. No innocent girl stays out past 10 with blood on her fender. It's my life, not yours. Well, who gave you that life? I never asked for it. Neither did I. And so help me if I could turn you in for somebody who knows how to take care of themselves, I would. Well, I wish you had. I'd rather be an orphan. Don't tempt me. Every night I look at my pills. One little push is all I need. In that scene, as we as we heard in that scene, she's accusing her of fucking a guy. Uh, as a and and I guess she must have. It seems like that she's kind of acknowledging that, even though she, you know it's clear. I mean, she did hit a deer, or is the implication that she totally faked hitting a deer? Did the I, guy like bump in her car and fucking throw some blood and fur on there? Where'd they get the blood and fur? I thought the implication was that she was having sex with a guy, and that guy actually hit the deer, and she came back and just like they were doing something they shouldn't have, and he was mm. behind the wheel. And then she came back and said, oh, I hit a deer because they, they did hit a deer. You know what I, I hadn't mean? considered that. But of course, back in those days, there is a good chance that the man would have insisted on driving. Yeah. But uh, yeah, either way, it just it seems so ridiculous. It's like she's got the dented car. It's got the meat on it. Like and she, all she's like, you fucked a man. Yeah, fucked up. That's not what she says, obviously. But like, that's the implication. No, I believe that was the scene we just played for like a <laughs> second. That was that was it. Uh. Um. But, uh, okay, I'm going to draw another parallel here, Jason. I know we just heard a clip, but this is a guy talking about directing his mother, hmm. even though, again... Not his mother. Not his mother. Um, but I just think I just think it's so interesting that we just talked about a movie last week with Sarah Pauly directing her father. Yeah. And I know it's, the, you know, it's not real yeah. in this, but it's just a... I don't know. Just, just listen to this. Surprisingly, after half a century of acting on TV, Mother is resistant to playing the role of herself in this exciting experiment of mine, which could actually not just unlock the secrets of a family, but create a whole new genre of film. Six Alpha, six one. She's always been stubbornly resistant to my most important ideas. Just to show me who's boss, she'll forget a line or transpose its syllables. Anything to destroy a take. Okay, with the car. Oh, I'm sorry. There's no such thing as an accident. Let's just try it again. Yeah, I I, I just went all off there. I I just know she's doing it to be difficult. 
Sorry, I'm getting further and further away from the lines. We fight on the set, but her refusal to acknowledge the real past becomes scientifically significant, I think. Very telling. Uh, may I hear that again? This is going to be a good month. The month of my great escape. So what I love here is he's saying that his mother is sabotaging the film by by ruining takes and everything um, in a way that's like, oh, you know, he's getting her ostensibly to reenact scenes that she would have been in and saying like, oh, like, I don't even remember this. (laughs) Like, you know, this is such a like no impact on my life whatsoever. And it's so impactful for Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Well, but, but that's and that's actually a good point. That's that's something that. You know, as a child growing up with parents, and I'm sorry to all the orphans out there, I don't mean to offend you, but as a child growing up with parents... Annie, don't tweet us. Don't tweet us, Annie. We don't want to hear from you. Are you okay, though? Are you, are okay, you okay, Annie? Annie? Um, but yeah, there there are moments that you have in your life that for you are super impactful, and, and, and whether good or bad, but that for your parents were, were nothing, and they don't remember it necessarily. I mean, it's possible they could have blocked it out, but like... Because I know there are moments in my life that I have brought up to my my mom before, where it's like this was a big thing for me, and she's like, "I don't even remember that." <laughs> who are you? Yeah, who are you? Get out of my house! <laughs> and then you realize you went to my house. Yes. Also mentioned there um, too was that his mother. I mean, I don't think this was the case in real life, but that she was an actress and she starred in the the only drama ever produced in Winnipeg, which was called Ledgeman. And what was the premise of Ledgeman? The premise of Ledgeman was that the main character, played by Guy Madden, aka Darcy Fair, uh, is a is a uh, him and his mom live in an apartment, and every episode he gets out on the ledge, threatening to kill himself, and then she talks him down, and that's every episode. (laughs) Every episode, and she played it for fifty years. That's another thing. I was like, this can't be real. No. And I looked up, and it's definitely no, not. Definitely real. not. <laughs> but I just, I just laughed so hard at the at the repetitive premise. Like, can you yeah. imagine every oh. every week the same man tries to kill himself, and the mother talks him down? Sure, but that was in a day when they used to erase uh, tapes, so it would be new every week. If you hadn't seen it before, well, you get you get the whole premise in one go, and then you're done. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I mean, there's 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 that whole stuff where he's getting his family to reenact things. There's the the the, the deer one is the big one, um, and uh, I th- I think and then on top of all this, he's got this like the style of this movie is crazy. Like mm. you, you you talked about the the silent film style, yeah. Um, the title cards, but we also get like weird like shadowy animation at yep, times, a little bit, and and like the music itself sounds very like stock library, like like old music, but well, we also, heard, I mean, that song yeah. we heard at the top, right, about Absolutely. Winnipeg. That sounds like a very old radio yeah. song. Yeah, and and the, and as I mentioned earlier, like the video quality on this looks very uh, grungy, and I think part of that is to integrate it with the actual old footage he uses mm-hmm. to kind of make it look similar. But you can tell like the stuff on the train. Where he's like, where it's got bad blue screen in the background or a bad like projection screen, but that's the intent of it. Yeah. You know, versus like the actual, then you, because some of it is footage of him as a kid and it's clear that's like from old Super 8 or really old videotape, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of it that's just, it, it, it's meant to look artificial. Mm. And I think that's, you don't see a lot of people trying to make their movie look artificial, mm. Mm. especially when they're making supposedly a documentary. Mm. Which I think is so it's so interesting that he's taking that approach. Um, and again, like I haven't seen any of his other movies, but no. I know that they're all kind of like this. They're kinda all kind of weird and like experimental and yeah. and just different. Yeah, cl- cl- this is clearly a dude that watched a lot of David Lynch, and and <laughs> it's I, I wouldn't say it's quite as weird as David Lynch, but it's definitely a descendant of that. And and it's not just the black and white cinematography. 
but it has this ethereal feel to it that is in a lot of Lynch's work too. It's more the close-ups of a woman's crotch. Yeah, absolutely. We get to see a, a nice full-figured lady's uh, uh, bush uh, that fades in and out over the forks. Uh. The lap, the fur. Yep. The, the forks, the lap, the fur. <laughs> Yeah, as he's describing Winnipeg as being like, you know, the heart of the country, the heart of the world, the forks, the lap, the fur. Again, that's the beginning where it's very obtuse, and I mm-hmm. think it starts to open up much like a pair of legs sure. as the movie uh, progresses. And then we get to see some titties. Yep. Some more uh, uh, <laughs> the, the local prostitutes. <laughs> yeah, and other things too, like just the style of the movie. There is like a five-minute, I think it's at least five minutes, just like no dialogue, no voiceover whatsoever. This like kind of short film almost inserted into the middle of the movie where there's like a seance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, th- it feel, very much feels like a silent film, like that, that specific section. Yeah, 100%. A silent film with like, you, you, you'd watch it and be like, this is definitely from the 20s, but man, they had a little bit of a budget. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and this movie carries a $500,000 budget. Mm-hmm. So you know that it's not just because... Um, it's not just because he he didn't have the money because five hundred thousand is quite a bit for something like this. Like, yeah, no offense to anything, but it it it's clearly very intentionally done in this way. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean the thing is like a, I mean only a portion of this movie is actually newly filmed. I mean we see a lot, like I say, we see a lot of stock footage and old footage and and things, home movies and things like that integrated throughout the picture. Yeah, I I really like um I really like as we go through and get all these tall tales. I mean there's some there's some great highlights like the. The whole thing with um, the sleepwalking rules in Winnipeg, yeah. <laughs> where uh, Winnipeg is the sleepiest uh, city in Canada, is apparently what he says. And he says, you know, if you're if you're caught sleepwalking, the rule is uh, you have to have a key to you have to have your keys of every home you've ever lived at yeah. at all times. And then if you wander into it, the person living there has to let you stay there and sleep. <laughs> it's, like, it's Winnipeg rule. Again, just reinforcing that dreamlike aspect that that's a, that's a silly sort of like logic that in a dream you would just be like, oh yeah, obviously that's how it's done, right? That kind of like it's almost like through a childlike aspect yeah. too, right? Because isn't that kind of what you do too when when you're when you're a kid is you kind of mythologize like yeah, you come up like, with these weird weird narratives of of life and why things happen and like um what do you call them? Not tall tales, but just like a. a bullshit story. <laughs> no, a ripping yarn, perhaps. No, just like a legend kind of thing, urban legend, mm. that sort of thing. Like you come up with these like origins for things yes. that clearly didn't happen or or complete fabrications like the whole thing with the, where he starts talking about hockey and he says, um, <laughs> what's that? What's that team? He says, oh, he, the, the black, uh, the black, not the black, the black Tuesdays, the black Tuesdays, the black yeah. Tuesdays, like these 80 year old hockey players mm-hmm. that g- gathered together to stop the evil corporations from tearing down their arenas. And, and stuff. I Googled a couple of the names that he put up and one of them I couldn't find, but the other one was a real hockey player. Frankie Frankerson or something. Yeah. Was a real but the black Tuesday is not real. No, no. <laughs> at all. But yeah, it's just it's stuff like that. And, you know, he talks about, um, and, and then, you know, it's interesting. I, for a while I was like, oh, he's a, he's a, I, at first I thought, oh, he's an LGBTQ plus director because he talked about this whole thing where he's in the locker room and this hockey player is taking off his jersey and you mm. know, he's talking about it was glistening body and a, he was so excited to see this man where he was and he was a child let's mm-hmm. just say that he was talking about his fascination as a child yeah. and he's like when i put that jersey over my naked body and took uh orgasmic slap shots at the at the yeah, rank and but so- then i found out He's a married. Well, I was gonna. Well, Mary, there's a spectrum, Brandon. Number one. Okay. Okay. But number but I'm two, just saying, like it, the whole the the, yeah. the thing about him is that he's he's not. 
Yeah. And, but his movies all have this like energy. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but that's the thing is that watching that scene to me, despite what you saw, it didn't come off as sexual to me. And then that was reinforced by the later scene in the movie where he's talking about him and him going to the pool to swim. And instead all of his friends wanting to just strip off in the locker room and, and, and get naked and, and, uh, I don't know, run around with their boners hanging out. And he, and he was not into it. Cause he's like, I just want to swim. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody wants to get into it underwater, Jason. Mm-hmm. Also, that by the way, I I, I should have looked this up to see it, but this allegedly three level pool place where there's like a, a general pool on the top floor, the base the, the the first basement is the girls' floor, and then the bottom basement is the boys' floor, and there's three pools, one on each floor. Yep, yep, that's pretty cool. <laughs> what I like is when he makes this transition into uh, anger. I mm. want to play this when he starts talking about hockey and he starts he starts to oh, about uh, the Winnipeg Stadium being brought down or yes okay a horrific chain reaction of architectural tragedies started in the late 90s when our Titanic Eaton's department store on Portage Avenue hit that prairie iceberg and sank bankruptcy Eaton's once dominated this city to the point where over 65 cents of every Winnipeg shopping dollar was spent at this single store to say it defined Winnipeg retail would be no exaggeration. After the bankruptcy, our civic government, without even trying to dream up an inventive second life for the old store, suddenly and unforgivably raised it. Demolition is one of our city's few growth industries. Overnight, construction of a new arena on the old Eaton site was announced. Curiously, after years of fighting, resisting, refusing to build a new rink for the NHL Jets, Allowing them to abandon us for Phoenix, City Council suddenly rushed out this new architectural lie to Winnipeggers. The result, a sterile new thrift rink for minor league hockey. With too few seats to reach the NHL minimum, should a miracle ever give us another shot at playing in the big leagues? A ridiculous, politically motivated tragedy with the corporate name Empty Center. I'm sure memories will accumulate in this Empty Center, which has nothing but low-priced newness to recommend it. Until then, this thoughtless new building just sits on the windswept downtown corner like a zombie in a cheap new suit. Its brick coat somehow meant as an homage to atomized Eaton's, but coming off more as an insult to the grand old department store and an insult to us. Very much not a fan of how uh, Winnipeg has been corporatized. A little yes, bit. although I will say that it was actually, I guess, foresight because eventually the Jets, there was a new Jets that were established in Winnipeg, and that is where they play at that particular arena. So, yeah. I guess it was all part of the plan. It's me, Austin. But in building that new arena, certainly, uh, meant that the old arena, which he had spent a good portion of his youth because his father managed the uh, Winnipeg Maroons, which were a uh, minor league team, um, was you know th- that was raised that was brought down because obviously they didn't need it anymore but for him that was you know that was where he had cut his teeth as that, a child it's like, it's like the churro raceway for me a place where i spent a lot of time yeah you know and, and if they were to demolish that it would be something you know? honestly like and i know this is like a bigger corporate thing but this mm. is like um when crystal palace shut down for a lot of people who went there when they were kids now he's talking about a a a half-assed amusement park that was inside a mall okay, in Moncton not the one that was in England in the night in the 1800s now okay, listen, the 1900s. Now it was it was separate from the mall well i mean you could get to to the mall from the by walking outside eh, i thought it was part of it wasn't no, it? It was no? Not, well there no. was a hotel there though 
yeah, as part of <laughs> next to So Crystal there was Pal. something else you could get Two to. separate buildings. They anyway, had a, they had a really saying, sad roller coaster. What I'm saying is that I know there was a lot of people. I mean, I went there younger when I was younger. Um, when I used to live in Nova Scotia, I even went there. And it, it like, you know, that that's I think I just saying that's I think that's a similar thing. So when that was kind of bought out, I think a lot mm. of people were bummed out and not because they go there now or they have mm. any interest in it whatsoever. No, it was, but it, it was represents like a, something. Yeah, it was like a, it was a feature of the city. It was something that people went to Moncton for much like they discuss in this movie Happy Land, which was a real amusement park that was open in Winnipeg from 1906 to 1922. Yeah. And. It was an old timey amusement park with which of course as he points out is like could be open like five or six months a year because of the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's even like um like when I heard about like when well, I when I used to go to the high school here in, in, in Moncton, you know, the other the city over. Yeah. That's what they call it. Moncton yeah, the, the city c- over. City down the road. The city down the road. <laughs> well yeah, only two hours away. Yep. Um like when I heard about Moncton High, at first it was going to be demolished. Mm. Like that, I mean, that, that kind of does something to you a little bit. Yeah. Like not that I was ever, you know, I didn't love the high school experience. No. I, I, although I will say that I, I loved the last year of high school. That was mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The rest of it can suck a dick. I feel you. But um, but it's still something about it. I was just like, oh man, that's like where I went. I feel yeah. like I didn't go there now. <laughs> I feel like it's all for nothing. See, I don't know that feeling because my elementary school, my junior high, and my high school are all still there and operating. I don't know if my elementary school is still out there, but Bert Nettinger, if you're listening, <laughs> let me know if you're okay. Fairview Junior High, you were a piece of shit and you can die in hell. Um, let's see. I know UNB still around. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we, 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 in fact, I drove by it on the way here on the bus. Actually, there is a college I went to in town that is no longer up. It was the uh, Center for Arts. Oh, that's not there anymore. No. It is a pile of rubble. Actually, it's a big glass building now, mm. which is even worse mm. <laughs> in a way. Got so corporate, man. Not that that was a great place. No. Kind of wasting my money. Anyway. Um, We're not here to be bitter, folks. We're here to have fun. We're here to have fun. My Winnipeg, back to the show. Back to the show. But yeah, so I think there's just that yearning of mm. like when something represents so much to you and then suddenly it's gone. Mm. Mm. It's just like, oof. Yeah, that must suck. Yeah. 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 It's like they suddenly cancel Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. I don't know what I'll do, Jason. Why haven't they done that yet? Shut the fuck up. I mean, it's been a long time coming. I mean, uh, ratings, you know, the ratings. It's coming from a guy who watches it as uh, uh, not as often as certainly he. not watches it often, though. I, you know, I try to keep up. I try to keep up. I you, you, you always keep me well informed on Saturday Night Live. Why don't you do a podcast about Saturday Night Live, Brendan? I'm surprised. I don't know anyone that <laughs> that would watch it as much as me. <laughs> Fair. Just go through every single fucking. Episode. You do it for you, so that you can listen to yourself talk about Saturday Night Live. That's fair. There are a few of them out there, and they're great. So yeah, he, he he starts going on about that about the uh, about the buildings mm. and you know the the, the modern looking architecture in Winnipeg. I, I like the conceit that he. I don't know if this is true or not. Again, because this movie, who knows? But the, the idea that he was the last person to go piss in the trough in the men's bathroom. At I, the, d- <laughs> I doubt it's true. I mean that the footage was clearly of of Darcy Fair doing it, but you know yeah. maybe he did. Maybe he did. Yeah. Maybe he said, "When you're done, I'm going to do it, and then I can say that I did it." <laughs> Wait, it came down before 2007. Though. Oh, did it? Well, I mean, maybe he just filmed it just in case. Oh, okay. So he filmed it, put it in his back pocket. Oh, maybe that's what the $500,000 was spent on, rebuilding the bathroom from the old Winnipeg Center. Pissing in it. And then pissing and then in it, and then destroying it burning it down, yeah. He, wait, he paid for the burning it down? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he filmed it, but then it got cut. It was like how they blew up the, the base at the end of uh, Apocalypse Now, but then they didn't use the footage because... I'll tell you one thing. Francis Ford Coppola, he knows how to use his money. That's right. He loves money. And wine. Loves the wine. 
Um, can I play you? And we talked about it, but I think before we were recorded. But we there's one story that he tells that I swore was a fabrication. Okay, but apparently not. Uh, to answer your question, no, you can't. Well, I'm gonna. Oh, okay. If day, February 19, 1942, at dawn. 5,000 Nazis invade Winnipeg and declare martial law. Fascist officers arrest Mayor Queen, Premier Bracken, and his entire cabinet. School teachers and politicians alike are imprisoned in our historic Lower Fort Garry, which is suddenly a concentration camp flying the swastika. By mid-morning, Portage Avenue is already renamed Hitlerstrasse. Winnipeg itself is renamed Himmlerstadt. Citizens are bullied, harassed, molested. What if? What if, what if, talk about a terrifying detour through time. For us here in Winnipeg, where time cuts many pranks, this detour is horribly plausible. The 5,000 Nazis are actually Rotary Club volunteers wearing costumes rented from Hollywood. And If Day is a huge success, frightening Winnipeggers into colossal war bond purchases. Did not know that was yeah, real. Yeah, and I've, I've read about that before. And yeah, that was literally what happened. They, so did they, people know that it was I, I coming? I think people, yeah, people knew that it was coming. But it was, it was yeah, it was literally a publicity stunt to sell war bonds to so help So they just the did that across Winnipeg? Yep, yep. They And, and like I say, people knew that it was going to happen, so they weren't out there, like, shooting these poor actors, but... Um, <laughs> They're like, yeah. oh no, Nazis, huh? Well, I mean, you've given given you probably already had three straight years of propaganda against Nazis, that would have been a real risk. So they're pretty sure they let everybody know. I mean, I wonder if there was a real fear about that coming to Canada. You know what? Absolutely. Um, given, you know, and if you look back at history, but at the time, like the Nazis had such strong success early on and moved so fast that people were scared. I mean, if you were to break it down and go into the numbers and everything. Yeah. There was no way that Nazi Germany could win a war with the rest of the fucking world. No. Uh, it, and, and, uh, but it's still pretty impressive that it took as long as it did. And they thought it would take longer even. Uh, but here we are. So that was a legit fear of people that the Nazis could theoretically, I mean, I love the idea of it because they would have to invade on the East coast and then make it all the way to fucking Winnipeg, <laughs> which in this country, that's a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> Listen, Winnipeg is, Far west. <laughs> Very far west. It's about a four-hour flight, Yeah, uh, uh, based on uh, my experience. One of our furthest west uh, provinces. Well, no. One because, of them. Because there's Manitoba, and then there's Saskatchewan, and then there's Alberta, and then there's BC. But it's pretty close. It's, it, it's, the, it's the start of the west, as far as I'm concerned. And I would know, because I've been there. He rode a blazing saddle. I'm a cowboy. I'm a steel horse I ride. Oh, I don't like that transition. <laughs> um, yeah, so like lots of, and then again, and then just more crazy stories like the horses that escape and, yeah. and get stuck in the. I was trying to find some like a, an actual write up on that, but it felt like everyone referred to this film. I don't think. And it's I've real. seen that picture pop up on Reddit as like, look at this creepy picture with the horses frozen in the water. But I think that was a story from the time. I don't. I, I feel like there probably was a fire at the racetrack and horses probably did escape. Whether they got frozen in the river or not, I don't know. I think that, well, that picture was from this movie, though. Yes, for and, sure. And I think this picture, I think that picture of the horse heads popping out of the, the ice, mm. um, I think that went around for a yeah, while. No, it was like on like creepypastas like, and shit, like on, on like photos on Reddit and yeah. places like that. Because so, it was, because again, this movie looks old, the, the way it's filmed very much. It all integrates. looks, it all, honestly, for the most part, except for the stuff that he intentionally tries to make not look like mm. it, 
looks like old footage. Also, interesting thing, as far as I noticed, there was only really one color scene in this movie. Yeah, and it was real footage, I think. Yeah, well, it was real footage of the of the um, arena being demolished. Yeah, and how when they when they blew the charges, it took down all the parts that they had added at some point and left the original structure standing. Yeah, which he thought was a sign, but of course, and then they finished it off. But well, I think there's, I think it's even in color when you first see the the MTS center, which he of mm-hmm. course calls the empty center. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then there's there's another scene where we see it's kind of orgish, uh, like almost sepia toned, maybe yeah. at one point, but um. There's a there's a kind of a dark, there's a dark element going on here. He reckons with his uh, his real brother's suicide. Yeah, that's a fucked up story. Yeah, so he's got an actor, obviously again all actors playing his family members, mm-hmm. but he's got this moment uh, towards the end of the film where the act where his quote unquote mother mm. is laying there like holding his brother, and they're just having this conversation, yeah. you know, where and and. He, they talk about how he killed himself, and that that's that's very real. Guy yeah. Madden's brother committed suicide at a yeah. young age. Do you know the actual story of of what happened? Do tell. So yeah, he was sixteen. His girlfriend at the time died in a car accident, and he went to her tombstone and killed himself over her tombstone. I know it's like Romeo and Juliet and fucked Man. up and sad. Yeah, sixteen years old. Yeah. So I mean, when that when that scene happens, when they're just like when it's like the actor playing his brother and the I mean, ostensibly the actress playing his mother, yeah. it kind of hits hard. Like it it's does. it's like a, it's an impactful scene. You're well, like, it's it's like the two of them reckoning with that and, yeah. and kind of uh, coming to terms with it somewhat and just having a moment where they're kind of spooning each other. And, and he asks her if she, she's like, "Are you comfortable?" And he goes, "Yeah, mostly, I'd say." It, it's in what I like is there's a little element too of his kind of weird sense of humor is that. Um, he says that fr- that freezy wrapper looks real sticky because there's like a freezy wrapper sticking in her hair. Oh, is there? <laughs> yeah, right towards the end. He's like that freezy wrapper looks real sticky, and she says, "I don't mind, I don't mind." Where it's like it's like you know, I think the mo- the message there is just like I'm just in the moment. Like yeah. it doesn't really matter what else is going on. I just want to be here with you. But it's just a cute little weird yeah. Canadian, <laughs> you know. But also speaking of her hair, we have another weird moment in the movie where the kids all come up to her in the bed and they then they're like, "Hey, we're hungry. We want to eat." And she's like, I don't do that anymore. I'm not, you can make your own food, but it's so much better when you taste it. And then they threaten her with a bird and they bring this parakeet up (laughs) and, uh, and uh, she's, and then they let the parakeet out and she's, you know, like screaming and going on and whatever. Cause I guess she was definitely afraid of birds and they were using this to, I guess, force her to make them some meatloaf. (laughs) So much so that guy says that there's one, one incident where they went to someone's home and a bird, a 75 year old bird. With a large vocabulary. With a large vocabulary that had been in the house for years and years and years, came up beside her, and she hit it once and instantly killed it. Just fucking smacked that bird Just out of fear. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just once. You think they would have warned her, or she would have warned them. But maybe she's one of those brassy women that's like, I'm not afraid of nothing. Um, Well, but no, she clearly was afraid of the birds, because they threatened her with No, but I'm saying she probably said she was not afraid. Oh, yeah. That's what you get with brassy broads, Jason. But Jason, luckily, we have one person that could save us all. Is it Tucker Carlson? I know the citizen never had a page three girl, but if it had, she wouldn't be just any tabloid pinup. She would be citizen girl. A concerned comrade, sad but strong, strong enough to pry herself from the inky pages and climb to the very top of our city to tend to those in our aerial happy land. And from on high up in Happy Land, straddling our forks from above, she could undo all the damage done during Winnipeg's first trip through time. 
With one wave of her hand, she could restore Eaton's, the Jets, and the arena, my old arena home. She would find a gentle forest for the Black Tuesdays, those wonderful old souls. She would rename Minto after Fred Dunsmore, reopen all three levels of the Sherbert Pool. Citizen Girl would plant a new sapling right in the middle of Wolseley Avenue. With one wave of the hand, she would refill the paddle wheel, raise Whittier Park from its ashes, keep all her horses and schoolgirls safe and right-minded, and once again turn on the sign at Clifford's. She would look after this city, my city, my Winnipeg. She would be its new lap, and then I would know it was okay to finally leave, to leave the city in her hands, secure, cared for, loved. Then I could go to where there are no ghosts. I just realized something, yeah. and it happened very quick. But sure. in that moment where he's talking about, like, you know, if only there was someone to just fix everything, then I could leave Winnipeg because, like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to be here anymore because everything would be okay. Um, for a second, it switches to his mother. Oh, for like a, a frame, hmm. like it flips to his mother. Also, um, I think that's a really interesting notion in that he's saying. The reason I stick around is because I love this city so much. No matter what's happened to mm. it, I love it so much and I want it to get better. Yeah. Um, and if somebody could just make it better, then I, I wouldn't then have I any hang-ups. I could just yeah. go. I found it ironic that so – because th this comes out of like they talk about the, the Winnipeg 1919 general strike and uh, the Bolsheviks that were in that. So he, he, he has this first off comrade girl. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean citizen girl, but he calls her or comrade. Or citizen girl, comrade girl. But then like – so she's allegedly a communist because she's wearing like a uniform and she's got a big red star. Communism, we think of, you know, if nothing else, it's that it's trying to progress and move forward and, and change things or whatever. But his comrade girl is is not progressing and moving forward. His comrade girl is there to restore the past. Like they, they, that's not what communists do. It's not <laughs> if if anything, they were putting up like new buildings and new statues and, and new stuff, you know, and, and the idea that she's this comrade, but she's also restoring the grandeur of the city. It's it's very ironic, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But cool. Interesting. It's like rain on your wedding day though, really. Yeah. It's like a free ride when you've already paid. It's a traffic jam when you just got laid. I don't think that's what it is. That's pretty ironic. Don't you think? And a little too ironic. Yeah, yeah I, I really, really do think. think. I've got one hand in my pocket, and the other hand's in my other pocket, too. On the other hand, smoking a cigarette. Cigarette. How can a hand smoke a cigarette? Mm. Mm. Unless it's like... Watch. Like this. Oh, oh, Jason's showing me. Oh, wow. Oh, Jason. Oh, you didn't need to take your clothes off. No, I did because I had to get the right sounds. <laughs> I don't think you know how sounds work. No, I think I do. Okay. I took a science class. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and then the movie ends with him kind of reckon coming to terms, I guess. Like he's just kind of like, you know, yeah. I, I don't think he leaves Winnipeg in the end because, no. I mean, I don't think Guy Madden did leave Winnipeg. Mm. Um, but it's kind of, I'll, I'll play the end later. I know we played a lot of clips, but we'll get through some bits of bobs and we'll listen to the ending yeah. here. Um, but is there anything else major you want to get? Well, to just we... talk about his family a little bit. Like he, he, so he had three siblings. Cameron was the one that, that had committed suicide, but he had an older brother, Ross and a sister whose name I forget, but his sister apparently is in the Winnipeg uh, sports hall of fame, which I absolutely believe. Um, I think that is the case. Um, 
and his dad died. He had a, well, he doesn't say it in the movie. He had a stroke. He's in the movie. He says his dad disappeared into a puff of cigarette smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, 1972, his dad's gone. His his well, brother's that, gone. Isn't there that whole thing where um, the mother is really sad that the, his dad can't play himself? So they make up a thing where they they <laughs> pretend he's exhumed under the carpet. Yeah, yeah. They have like floor. a thing under the rug. And then, of course, he talks about his his departed dog Chihuahua, who's then being played by a bulldog named Sparky. And then several times throughout the movie, he says, "My very dead dog." Like, yeah, he just <laughs> like hammers that home a bunch but of he times. does have footage of the dog like whole yeah. movie stuff and it was a cute puppy but again he's 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 got this he's got this sometimes dark and just and like odd and funny sense of humor yeah. that pops up every now and then absolutely that's all i got for okay now. well let's move on jason we're gonna take a bit of a break okay we're gonna hear some ads yeah well i guess so we're gonna pay some bills mm. we're gonna suck each other's dicks oh okay but and do i do i get a hello fresh box 50% off. Oh, if you damn. use the code, <laughs> and uh, we will be right back. Age of Radio. Wow. Little bit of donuts, little bit of donuts, little bit of donut holes. Here we call them tidbits. Tidbits with Jason. Jason's got tidbits for Tim you. Bits. Little tune, but Jason, it's been a while. You know I'm gonna go long. He's got regular ones mm-hmm. and chocolate ones yep. and vanilla ones yep. and sugar ones and ones with filling and mm-hmm. ones with beebs. He's got little Tim Beebs too. You got the sour cream donuts. They're pretty good. good. Timbits. So I have some notes, but like this was a movie that was hard to write notes for uh, because I was just kind of enthralled by it, like just kind of like zoned into it. It was it was like a drug trip. I was just taking it in from the, actually the discussion we just had. That was harder. That was hard for me because I was like, there are some major points in yeah. this movie, but also like I just kind of want to talk about the things that happened. I yeah. just want to kind of well, because yeah, what what real plot is there? Now Wikipedia yeah. does a good a good attempt at describing what happens in the movie, but I wouldn't say it's a plot. I was um, just surprised by the detail on Wikipedia, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, somebody put some time into that. Um, <laughs> my, my first thought was, ew, Weinstein, because this was produced by the, or released by the Weinstein Company. Oh, was it? Because, uh, yeah, their logo's right at the beginning of this. Oh, Guy Madden wasn't connected to that world. I don't yeah, think he knew. No, no. Uh, snowy Sleepwalking Winnipeg, that made me uh, kind of pause for a sec. I, I thought that was a good line. Always winter, always uh, sleepy. Always winter, always sleepy. I had that written down. Uh, pussy! I saw, I wrote down pussy, because there was some pussy! <laughs> yep. My mother, a force as strong as all the trains in Manitoba. Is that what he's? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I, I get. Yep, that's a good description of her. I imagine. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but this movie is like an art installation. I think mm. in many ways. Yeah. It also is never dormant. This movie never stops. No. Like there's, there's always something. Always happening. something moving. There. I would love to know. I would love to know the st- stats and find out how many cuts there are. Yeah. How many edits there are? Because there ha- it has to be. It has to be up there with like a Michael Bay movie. Cuts away a lot. And there's even a few moments, I don't know if this was just me, but there was like a few like just black screens. Yeah. 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 Where yeah. the narration continues and you're like, wait, is the is the video fucked up? <laughs> um, I just want to mention too, we, we saw it in one of the clips, but the the tree, there was um, uh, a, a street in Winnipeg that had a tree in the fucking middle of it. And there was like a protest to stop it. And this is a real story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real story. And there was like a, a group of local older ladies that came and like did the thing of like linking their arms around the tree and trying to prevent the people from cutting it down. And so eventually they gave in and, 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 you know, said, we're not going to cut it down. And then the ladies left and then they dynamited, dynamited the tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he was talks about being raised in this weird house that was 
uh, uh, partly a business. It was a hair salon. And he refers to the women in the hair salon as a gynocracy. Uh, he also uh, says the line, the smells of female vanity and desperation, which, yeah, yeah okay, for a hair salon, sure. I, I like the bit about um, how he's renting out the, his childhood home to, to do these reenactments. And the de- there's a detail about how the subletter at the last minute decides that she doesn't want to leave. Yeah, so, <laughs> so she so just, just hangs an, out there. There's just an extra woman hanging out there yep. that has nothing to do with anything. Um, when his sister hits the deer, the idea that there are no accidents. No, there are. There are, lady. Are uh, there? I think so. Are there? I don't. Jason? I don't think that uh, there was any intention. I don't think she tried to murder a deer that night. So what you're saying is O.J. Simpson is innocent? Uh, I think I'm saying the opposite, aren't I? I don't think you are. I don't know how you accidentally you stab first, a couple folks. people. Jason is a big Helter Skelter fan. He believes Sharon Tate was possibly the devil, mm. and Charles Manson. Well, look, we don't have any evidence she wasn't. That's all I'm saying. Charles Manson uh, died and became Barack Obama. That's what he's saying. I mean, there's a good case to be made. I think it's a stronger case than the birth certificate thing. So do you think Barack Obama was Charles Manson just wearing blackface? Uh, I mean, very well done. Blackface, I suppose. Uh, snow fossils. This was a thing that I found interesting, yeah. uh, where he talks about how on the streets when the snow is fresh, you walk on the street, and in doing so, you compress the snow down. Um, so that when the snow is blown away, there's kind of a footprint remaining of that compressed snow, and he called it a snow fossil. And I thought that was really interesting because, and then it occurred to me, we don't really see that here. I think I have occasionally, but we don't really, and I think it's because it's wetter here, and so the snow here is much wetter and doesn't tend to be as dry as out west, and out west, because it's so dry, it will blow away. But here it doesn't really blow away because we don't, A, we've got less wind mm-hmm. and and they say more more water in the snow so uh, it's, it's much more packy uh, i like da, da, da. um uh the old the, <laughs> we throw our old sign we can't we're not allowed to throw our old signage away so we throw it into the old signage graveyard yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a way i don't know that that sounded to me again like going back to the theme of like not being able to let go or yeah 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 move on sure. from the past and then he and then he ends up talking about like the homeless that live on the roofs of winnipeg although i feel like he specifically refers to them as aboriginal uh, and well, they've got like the Happy Land sign up on top. And I think he, I think he's making a case for the way Aboriginal people were treated. Sure, in Winnipeg. and the, yeah, I mean, certainly across this country, it's been bad, but that was a specific type for sure. He also um, goes on about the streets of Winnipeg and says, like, yeah. everybody takes these back alleys. He he refers to one street, Lorette, as a hermaphrodite street yeah. because uh, it's, it's a street and an alley, partially a front street and partially a back alley. Yeah. Yeah, I found that interesting. Like the idea, I guess that makes sense if you, if, you know, if you have a line of houses, theoretically you can have a back alley. And I mean, we see this on King of the Hill because the back alley is where the boys uh, always hang out drinking beer. Mm-hmm. And it's like one lane and it's just there to kind of access the back of the houses and stuff. But people use them. And then he has a whole story about the two cab companies that were, you know, in a dispute. And so it became down that one cab company was allowed to use all the front streets and one company was allowed to use all the back alleys. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got. Like I say, I just kind of ended up watching this thing because it was <laughs> such a weird visual and 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 dreamlike thing, you know. I, I like I liked the whole thing with Winnipeg buying a cheap bridge, 
uh, where we see it uh, behave almost like anthrop- anthropomorphically, where they say like you know, it, it, and he even talks about it in that way. He says like you know, it had a bad back, and you know, mm. eventually one day it broke its hip, and you see like a thing snap. I should have looked into that because I like that idea that they bought this bridge because it was supposed to go across the Nile, but for whatever reason, it wasn't long enough or there wasn't built right. And Winnipeg so, bought it. And Winnipeg bought it and at it, a discount because they love discounts. And it was kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but this this bridge right in the spanning river spanned the train yards. Yeah. Of course, Winnipeg being a massive rail hub, much like you know the, a lot of Western cities at the time. What about the the whole thing? I can't believe we didn't talk about this, Jason. The mayor and the Golden Boys competition. Yeah, that was a little weird. You want to want to delve into that? Uh, I don't remember the specifics of it, other than like basically he, like a, a like a, a pageant for for guys, for guys, not yeah. not boys. Now we say Golden Boys. I just mean like you know, yeah, they, they, men. they seem to be at least of age in yeah. the in the film. <laughs> but this Mayor Cornish, he can't be. He wasn't the mayor, right? Uh, no, there was a Mayor Cornish. Uh, let me look. But I here. don't think he looks like the mayor in this no, no. with the giant beard and everything. But essentially, they say Mayor Cornish was judging these Golden Boy competitions and giving these Golden Boys jobs, political jobs, and then there was a whole scandal about it. Well, there's what Mayor Cornish actually looked like. Okay, so and he was like, a mayor in the 1800s. Uh, was the first mayor actually of Winnipeg in 1874. Let me just look at his political career and see if there's any reference to Golden Boys. <laughs> Uh, if there is, I'll be I'll be flabbergasted. I really, if anything, in this movie, I thought this was one of those fantastical elements. No, I don't see anything about that. Uh, although it says in the history of Manitoba's legal system, Bruce McFarland describes Cornish as, by most accounts, a brash and rude man, but extremely intelligent. Best known as the first mayor of Winnipeg, he was also decidedly anti-Catholic, anti-Métis, and especially anti-Riel. Now he's talking about uh, Louis Riel, who was the. Um, who's sort of a Canadian martyr, Canadian hero, depending on what uh, quarters you're in, um, who led a, a rebellion, the Red River Rebellion, against uh, the Canadian government um, and was hanged for his troubles, but uh, certainly had legitimate grievances with the government. He was of the Métis, which were uh, uh, a native tribe uh, that, that is consists... Pierce Brosnan movie? Mm, no. No, mind. you're thinking of The Legend of Grey Owl? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, guy was, that guy was a faker. Uh Louis Riel. No, Louis Riel was uh, Métis, which was uh, uh, the offspring of French and uh, Native uh, people from back in the you know 1600s, and they kind of became their own ethnic group. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's all I have too, Jason, so I think I'm just going to play the ending of the movie here real sure. quick. This is just the last moments we get. Let's do it. Who's alive? Who is alive? Who's alive anymore? So hard to remember. Sometimes, sometimes I forget. I forget my brother Cameron is gone. I forget my father's been gone since I was 21. At some point, when you miss a place enough, the backgrounds and photos become more important than the people in them. The old living room where we spent almost every waking hour, lying on couches in front of the TV set. My parents and I, lying on couches, lying on couches, lying on couches. A chunk of home, white, block, house. (laughs) 
and it kind of ends with the sounds of Winnipeg, yeah. right? The, wind. The, the wind. And the, the sound, the music completely drops out. And then we just go to credits. We just go to credits. I thought, um, what was, when they were, when he was talking about how you, when you look at old photos and you kind of notice the background more, I feel like that's kind of a relatable thing. Hmm. I think there's a lot of times you, you might, I mean, maybe people don't do this so much anymore. Maybe they look on Facebook now. Um, the, you know, the Facebooks, the metas. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know back in the day, you know, we all looked at photo albums and there was a lot of times we say, oh, this is so-and-so. Or there's like, oh, remember this house? Oh yeah. Oh, and this is so-and-so. They're not with us anymore. Like it kind of becomes a second thing to say when mm -hmm. you look at an old photo. Yeah. I don't know. That kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, I think maybe we come to the end here. We wrap it up. Jason, sure. tell me um, what your experience... Well, we talked about your experience, but tell me, wrap it up for me. Tell me what you th about my Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, my Winnipeg was an interesting thing. Uh, I will say, like, folks, if you're going to watch it, it's a weird dream thing. It's a weird experimental film. It's To call it a documentary is, I think, a bit of a misnomer. There is some truth in there, but there's a lot of untruth. Um, but it is a fascinating watch. It, the, apparently, this movie was, like, one of Roger Ebert's top 10 movies of, like, the 2000s. Oh, yeah, he loved it. Yeah. So that's interesting for him to recognize a Canadian film like that. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's, I don't know. Like, I, so far, I would say I probably liked the other two films better as far as what they were doing. But like, I don't think there's probably going to be another film like this on the list. No. And, and it's definitely one of the weirder movies we watched. Have we watched a movie quite as weird as this one? I was thinking about it. And I think that, man, like, I, the closest things maybe to this would be like, women in love but yeah. even then that that was like a clear narrative in that movie yeah. and or maybe like caravaggio yeah to I some say, extent. yeah okay caravaggio. but even then yeah, i still. mean then we had a plot we kind of yeah. knew what was going on despite how weird it all was mm -hmm. i think i mean we know i guess there is a, like a plot to this but this is just this is the most experimental thing we've watched yeah. it has to be yeah, for sure. And and it's it's definitely worth the watch. If you're if, guys, if you got some acid or if you're just like you're really tired, like watch this movie. It'll blow your fucking mind, man. And I mean, Guy Madden blows me away as a filmmaker just by watching this. I mean, he's a clearly a very talented filmmaker. And a hell of an editor, too. <laughs> and a hell of an editor. Yeah. Well, th and this thing's not long either. It's like 80 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's an easy thing to knock out. So it's not like a, it's not, it won't take up a bunch of your day. I actually um, neglected to mention the, the, some of the critical responses. I, f I forgot. So, well, do it but now. I'm, but I'm going to mention it a little do bit. Now. And then I'll tell you my take here. Um, like you said, Roger Ebert, four out of four, perfect, perfect rating from Roger Ebert. He said, if you love movies in the very sinew of your imagination, you should experience the work of Guy Madden. Um, somebody else, uh, Jonathan Romney said, uh, the review, this review section you'll have noticed operates a five tier, five tier rating system, but there are occasions when this just doesn't suffice. Once in a blue moon, you encounter a film so extraordinary that it's not enough to award the icon of a woman standing, hands raised in applause. You really need to be, you really need her to be levitating several feet above her armchair, body racked with the transcendental ecstasies of St. Teresa. Jesus. Such a film as My Winnipeg by Canadian filmmaker Guy Matten. I mean, that seems like a bit much. I mean, it's it's <laughs> unlike anything. That's true. Ever, I don't, I think ever made, honestly. Um, uh, the Hollywood Reporter said it was uh, hilarious for those on Madden's mad wavelength and more varied than his strictly fi fictional features. And then uh, Jay Hoberman called the film Madden's best filmmaking since the uh, dissimilar confessional bargain basement phantasmagoria Cowards Bend the Knee. That's another one I've heard talked about a few times. I don't think that's his uh, uh, anti-Colin Kaepernick film. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but it, it does. It, the, the title sounds different now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but <laughs> that's his. That's his. Uh, that's probably something about not fighting for your beliefs or sure. something. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. But um, so quite the opposite of being anti Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> well, of course, bend the knee, being like, yeah, I mean, yeah. like submission. So yeah, um, and I would say that um, okay. So I went through a weird experience with this movie. Oh really? You I, don't say. I, did. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know how I felt for a while. Mm. Like I saw, I ended the movie. I even messaged my friend and I said, because uh, he loves it. Like mm. he told me he loves it. And I knew it was going to be weird going in. That's the thing. I don't think you knew. I think I knew that it was going to be weird going in. And I messaged my friend and I said, I don't know if I liked it or not. I don't know. And I had to think about it. I think I thought about it for like an hour. Mm. Just, you know, just sitting there thinking yeah. about it. You got to let it roll around <laughs> your brain it, for sure. Around. And then eventually I say, yeah, no, I do. I, I definitely do like it. I, it's definitely, I, I'm more, I'm more um, appreciative of it mm. than I would say that like flat out enjoyed. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely a, a very well constructed movie. Yeah. Um, and, and made by lesser talent, it would feel like a pretentious hand job of a movie. That's the thing. It doesn't feel pretentious no. to me. Like it feels like someone who actually cares. Yeah. He's putting in the things he wants to put in. He, it makes sense to him. It, it's At full of his makes, heart. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense to us. Like, I'm not saying it's completely nonsensical. No. It's obviously very dreamlike. It's obviously very strange. Mm. But I don't think it's uh, artsy for the sake of artsy fartsy. No, no. So there, there's some genuine like like stuff there that he's pulling from to make this thing and to kind of get out an impression, if not the exact reality, you know. But I would say that guy Madden, uh, just judging him based on this one film alone, is probably an acquired taste. So mm. if anything we said sounds uh, like, what the fuck, that doesn't sound like something I'd like, then maybe you wouldn't like it. And but- hey, if you're a Guy Madden fan, feel free to let us let us know if there's another Guy Madden film you think is worth watching, because it could be a possible Canuck Puck in the future. It could be. Canuck Puck? Could be. But that'll do it for my Winnipeg. Um, we should talk about what's coming up next because we are going to talk. We're going to move up the list. We're going to talk about number eight. Number eight, and this is a film uh, directed by, unfortunately, the recently uh, recently deceased director mm. Jean Marc Vallée. Ah, yes, yeah, of um, the Dallas Buyers Club fame. Dallas Buyers Club, and also this movie, and that is the movie Crazy. C period R period A period Z period Y period. Um, I believe Joe Canadian says it is pronounced Z. Wait. No, he does say Zed, no, doesn't Zed, he? Zed, it's Zed. <laughs> Fuck you, Joe. We're Canadian, it's Zed. I didn't remember. Mm. It's been a long time since we talked about My Name is Joe. It's been a long time since we've talked about Joe Joe Canada or whatever the fuck his name was. I literally said it was Joe Canadian 35 seconds was ago. Was it Joe Canadian? Okay. I don't know if it was or not. Well, he did that speech. And then I think William Shatner did a spoof of that at Just for Laughs one year. Who? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the man so- who went to space. So all I know about this movie, this movie Crazy, is that it played at the theater when I mm, used to work there, mm. and I was just under the impression that it was a stupid French movie, uh-huh. <laughs> and there was a bunch of rude people that went to see it. Ah. So I'm glad I'm actually going to watch it now as an adult, mm. and uh, hopefully it'll be good. Now you're saying this movie's in French? It is in French. Ooh, that's a problem. Jason, <laughs> you really got to learn how to read. <laughs> <laughs> Nice order was fine. I got what was going on without having to listen to it. But, I can uh, tell by your wonderful pronunciation. Les ordres. Les ordres. Les ordres. Crazy. 
crazy. It's crazy, guys. Crazy, wild, and crazy, guys. Yeah, this is about the Fest Drunk Brothers. Yep. Um, <laughs> starring Steve Martin and Dan Aykroyd. I can do it. I'm from Montreal. So you did a, you did, okay, that was a bit of Quebecois. <laughs> so there you go. We're going to talk about that uh, uh, next week. So when else will we talk about it? So until then, yes. uh, Jason, you're very rude. You're rude. You're from Montreal. Ha <laughs> ha. You're from Montreal. Until then, Jason, uh, they can find us on the social medias. Everywhere. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on Twitter at FSAC Pod. That's for Screen and Country Podcast. Go there now. Right now. Do it. You can also find us on uh, TikTok, where I'm sure we have a new video every day. Yeah. We'll see. At For Screen and Country on TikTok. Sure, follow us, because you never know. You never know. Once the, once every seven There's months. There's like three know. videos there. Check them out. <laughs> like them. Subscribe them. They'll take up at least, uh, I don't know, a minute of your day. Sure. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Uh, you can also find uh, us on all the podcast apps. Of course, oh, our yeah. home base is Age of Radio. Yep. Uh, ageofradio.org slash for screening country for a direct link. Uh, Jason, you, you're also uh, kicking around. Oh, I'm on Twitter talking every now and then, retweeting stuff about workers' rights and such things. It's uh, like You're against them. Oh, yeah, totally. Fuck those people. You're, you're think they are? These, these low-skilled workers. Remember when they used to be essential workers? Ha <laughs> no, they're low-skilled workers. As it Fuck should em. be, right? Fuck them, that's right. Yeah. Fuck them. Because it's so easy to go work a fucking lunch shift at McDonald's. That's, that's nothing. They, Anybody can do that shit. I think they call you Capital McLeod, right? That's right. I love capitalism. I am a, a capitalist pig, and I'm proud of it. By the way, folks, you should give us money. We don't have any money. Just give us money. We don't have a Patreon yet, but just give us money. What's just, your Twitter handle, Jason? At uh, Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Send me all your NFTs, oh, um, and then I'll don't. flip them and become an NFT crypto bro. You know what? <laughs> you can keep all your NFTs, and I never want to hear. I NFT want your again. dumb monkeys. Give me your dumb monkeys, and I'll keep them and put hey, them on my forum. Hey, hey, look at this blurry JPEG I just made. It's <laughs> an NFT. Yeah. Oh man, the world. Mm. Okay, so that's it. We're gonna talk about it next week. We're talking about crazy. It's but crazy. Un- but until then, Jason. What? Um, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for our screen and our country, I'm Brendan, and I'm Jason. Toodaloo. Go to Winnipeg. Check it out. They got big ball bowling there. If you've never done the big ball bowling, do the big ball bowling. We only ah! have little balls. We only got the little balls. Did you get it, Jason? I'm crazy. I know. Next I know. Week. That's Next that's obvious. Next week. All right. Let's just end this. Can I keep you? No. Born and raised in a prairie town. Just a kid full of dreams. We didn't have much but a radio Music came from places we'd never been Growing up in a prairie town Learning to drive in the snow Not much to do, so you start a band Soon you've gone as far as you can go Winter nights are long Summer days are gone Portage and Maine, 50 below Springtime melts 
the snow Rivers overflow Portage and maize 